M and K Talk YA now presents Scarlet Part Two of the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer. Welcome back to M&K Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. <laughs> Sorry. What? That was just really perky. I just <laughs> And this is our young adult fiction podcast. <laughs> thank you. That, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, welcome back everyone. Today we are finishing up Scarlet which is the second book in the Lunar Chronicles. And a lot has happened since we last checked in. And I'd also like to say, I think I sound especially perky today because last week we had some technical difficulties and now we can see each other and hear each other. And I'm just glad that things are working. Oh my gosh, me too. You know, like I, I don't want to say it was because we had so many problems because Mercury was in retrograde, but Mercury was in retrograde when we started doing this and now it's so much better. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that Mercury is no longer in retrograde. I mean, we're talking about the Lunar Chronicles. It fits. But, like, my computer crashed, right? Yeah. You have a new computer coming next week, right? Oh, I'm so I'm so ready for a new computer. We lost all of our recording. Um, we were, like, 10 minutes from the end. And it just, you know, my computer just decided to go to sleep and not wake up. And we lost everything. But today is a new day. And... We're, we're pushing on past all the obstacles. The future's so bright, I think we should wear shades. <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> lines. You know what? It is It is your turn to tell a joke this week, so... Okay, I'll, I'll be thinking about it. Was that your joke? No, okay. I'm going to have a good one by the end. Or, or, a, dumb, or a dumb one. We'll see. <clears throat> the dumber, the better. We're finishing up Scarlet, so... Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So much stuff. Where do we even begin? I was just like, I have no idea. I feel like I want to start with like someone small, but then I was like, okay. everything's big. <laughs> well, okay. Here's a small part that I really liked. Um, I liked the flashback that we get of, um, what's his face? Adri's husband coming to bring Cinder from Michelle Benoit's house. And Scarlett is like, she thinks that he's talking about taking her away, but it was about her grandmother had harboring Princess Celine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting because it spoke to both Scarlet and Cinder having fears of being unwanted. Yep. And that's like a very big theme in this book. And I mean, even though Scarlet does have that really good connection with her grandma and stuff, obviously we now know there were a lot of secrets there, but she didn't really feel wanted by her parents. Oh, no. I mean, her dad They was... both had, like, those fears are really real for them. Yes, they are. Especially, I think it's because, exactly, they, she has a very bad relationship with her father, and then, you know, he ends up dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really, the only person she has left now is her grandmother, and I think that's why she's so fiercely protective of her, because she's the only person who's ever cared for her, and she's, because of that, she's willing to exchange her life to rescue her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I, can I also <laughs> say, um, 
I feel like I knew it was coming, but I liked how they used the glamour on Scarlett to make her think she was talking to her grandma. Yes. That felt very, that was very much the like, oh, grandma, what big teeth you have, like, mm-hmm. moment for me. And I think actually, so the, the um, whenever you get to, like, books, the books divided up, the book is divided up into books, but it was like book three or something like that. And the title of that, they have these little, like, vignettes at the beginning, and mm-hmm. I think that one was... Oh, Grandmother, what, what terribly big teeth you have. I'm actually looking at it right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, like, a nice tie-in. And it fooled me. I thought she was really talking to her grandmother. It's also... It's always fun, I think, when I was reading, to see those little bits and then think about what that meant for the story. Like, knowing the fairy tale and knowing what part they're referencing and then trying to guess what was coming. It really fits pretty well right because let me see what the first the first one I think was like uh, I'll find the second one while you find the first one. Oh, the first one was she did not know that the wolf was a wicked sort of animal and she was not afraid of him and that's so true for the first book because she's you know she's very brave and standing up to wolf Yep, and she's cautious of him for sure but She's she doesn't think he's bad. Yeah. Right. She doesn't think he's bad and she she's unwilling to be afraid to let him intimidate her. And then book 2 started with Little Red was a tender young morsel and the wolf knew she would be even tastier than the old woman. Ooh. Which was kind of like they the wolf was involved in taking her grandma and Mhm. And that's also where you see them kind of get intimate for the first time, right? Yeah, that's true. Right at the end of that is when they make out on the train. <laughs> that's that's age appropriate to say, right? And then totally. um, book four was The Better to Eat You With My Dear, which is where he actually does almost eat her. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Because he – so <laughs> let's just skip right to the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to mess around with the middle details. You know what? We're just going to go right for the meat of it. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to – they um yeah when they're under attack he's controlled by his thermitage jail right yep jail i don't know that's why i pronounce it i like it i'm going with it jail and he's under his control and he is about to rip out her throat really Mm -hmm. and then he you see him resist that which is pretty fascinating because we learn a lot about the wolf hybrids that were created on lunar and how they are very strong and they can't really be controlled by normal lunars. They can only be trained and controlled by a very strong thermitage. And even they don't really control them as much as they direct their animal instincts towards something. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, Scarlett said it best. I liked at the end when she was like, they were all embarrassed and they were like, he was like, my animal instincts made me want to kill you. And she was like, but you didn't. Maybe you have these other animal instincts that make you protect me and they like are calling each other alpha. I liked that too because, yeah, well, that was a little cheesy, but I liked that they played up the idea of being a wolf hybrid and saying like, you know, wolves get a bad rep, but they are not all bad. They have some very redeeming qualities like they're monogamous and they fiercely protect their pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I liked, I did like that she was basically saying, let's focus on the positive and think about all the good qualities that you do have and how you can use them. Yeah. And I think also you just mentioned about how they're so hard to control. 
so I thought it was really interesting to see that kind of last stand battle where Cinder and Thorn show up. Yeah. And Cinder, who really hasn't tested her gift much at all. She goes up against the thermometer. Yeah, she puts it to the test and they... She does pretty well. Yeah. They at least make it make it out, so... Yes. And I think it's... Because at first I was like, okay, she, she controlled one of the wolf hybrids. Like, that's not that big of a deal. But then when... Um, Wolf was explaining it, and he was like, no, 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 like, we are programmed to be extremely powerful. This is a huge deal. It kind of, it gave it a better perspective. And I love that scene where you see the wolf, the wolf cubs being um, trained by their thermitage. Just, I mean, it was terrible, but at the same time, it was like, it was interesting to see how they were picked, how they were picked from Luna um, and taken away from their families as children. Because you saw, we learned that Wolf was taken away from his house. And and then they must have been planted in Earth. Is that how they got there? Well, so I think when they were stealing the, you know how when Cinder was at the hospital and the chips, you know, the robots were being reprogrammed to take the chips and keep them? I think the Lunars reprogrammed them and were taking the chips and secretly bringing the army to earth with the chips oh, man. so that they were, they could like stay on earth until they, until this big attack that was planned. And it's so crazy because Levana is so angry about the idea of lunars being on earth, but she is planting them. Yeah. Well, she, what she's really angry about is people escaping her control. Yes. That's what it all comes down to really. But it's also, it's, I mean, this wasn't an overnight operation. This wasn't just in reaction to sender. She had like no. all this stuff lined up. This was just the trigger, right? Exactly. So she is very calculating and very, especially even building these hybrids. I mean, I guess we, didn't we see a glimpse of them? Was that in Cinder or was that mm-hmm. earlier in this book? I forget, but. That was earlier, but I think those were different because those were more beast, beast, beastie. <laughs> they were more beasts than men. Yeah. And I think Th- that's different from the wolf hybrids. Wolf is still man. Um, but yeah, she has had these things planted on Earth for a long time, waiting for something to happen. And and she's just, she's playing the long game with everything. <laughs> she's got a long con. I mean, back in 16 years ago when she tried to burn her three-year-old niece or whatever. Oh my gosh, that was awful. Yeah. That, I, oh, that scene when they, when Cinder finds the suspended animation tank uh, in the bunker. Yeah. That was so creepy. And then it was so sad when they see the um, the image of her. It's so crazy how long in between that happening and her being Cinder. Like, it's kind of crazy that she's, like, that well-developed, actually. Well, they said, so she spent 11 years in the tank, but they used transmitters to, um, like, stimulate her brain to create fake experiences. So they were able to keep her mentally developed for 11 years. That blew my mind. Yeah, but even still, like, the social aspect, like, it's just, it's still kind of crazy that even though she can't really remember anything before age 11 or whatever that... I know. I mean, how terrifying would that be to, like, see the place where you live for 11 years, but you have no memory of it? And then also it makes you feel even more sad about um, Garen, or what was his name? Her adopted dad? Yeah, Garan. Garan. About him dying so soon and... The stepmom never knowing any of this, not that I necessarily think it would have changed her mind, but, you know, like, she really had no one who even knew her. Like, I think the plan was that they would, like, help her Mm -hmm. readjust and develop and all of this stuff, and that wasn't an option because of how everything played out so quickly. Exactly, and I think it's that moment that makes Cinder 
decide that she needs to step up and be Princess Celine. Because at the end, she says, I'm going to I'm going to go out of hiding, come out of hiding. And I think it's when she sees that picture of herself when she was burned as a child, which is so awful. And then she realizes just how many people had to risk their lives to keep her alive and how close she came from, to dying. And so I think that's what spurs her on because she just realizes oh my gosh, so many people are counting on me. So many people have died already. I, I can't let them down. And if they think I'm strong enough to stop Lavana, then I, I don't have another choice. I have to be. And also, I think it helped bring it real for her that what all she has already taken away from her personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, I think I think what you're saying is totally true. But I think also, like, realizing what her life was like as a result of Queen Lavana being um, a psycho bitch. <laughs> Just come out and say it. That's that's the phrase I'm going to use. <laughs> oh, now we really have to mark our podcast as explicit. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll take that out. Um, no, you don't have to. It's fine. A psycho, a psycho witch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean the fact that she gave Kai this ultimatum of marriage, marry me or I will attack, and then she just launches all these attacks against all all the earth and cities, all the cities, not just in Beijing. All of them. I know. That's when it was hit me just how 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 extensive her plan was for taking over. And think about how much fear she creates just by doing that because these attacks were like basically out of nowhere for most of these people and mm-hmm. they weren't attacking soldiers, they were attacking civilians. Yeah. In really gruesome ways. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that I think when Kai agrees to marry her because of it at first I was like oh my god no you shouldn't be doing this but then I was like okay it's actually kind of smart announcing this engagement because it buys some time yeah you know like it makes her stop the attacks now they have a wedding to plan I mean even though it's not and he still called her on it in the press thing right yeah like he wasn't just like I want to marry you all's good he was like this these people have attacked our country and now I have a way to stop it. Yeah, I feel like he phrased it uh, politically, but smart. But also, again, he's, however old, 18 or something, and just became king or emperor or whatever. Well, I guess not. He's still prince right now, but, right? He hasn't been coronated mm-hmm. or anything. No, he has. Oh, he he's, has? He's emperor now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, like, mixing things up in my head. Okay, well, he's he's in charge for all of, like, a week, and this is what's happening. Yeah, it will, it was just... um. I think, like, the biggest theme that came across in this part was sacrifice. So we see Kai sacrificing himself for the good of his country. We see um, Cinder kind of sacrificing her freedom to step up and be Princess Selene. We see all the people who sacrificed their lives to to make sure she didn't die. And then we see um, the really sad part was when Rand kills Scarlet's grandmother, and she does it. Uh, she kind of goads him on, hoping he'll kill her. Well, knowing they were going to kill her anyways, basically. Yeah. And and Scarlet was willing to risk her life, to sacrifice her life to save her grandmother, but I think her grandma knew as long as she was alive, Scarlet would never leave her. And so I think that's why she um, ang- angers ran on purpose, so hoping that he'll kill her because she knows that's the only way Scarlet will leave and, and have a chance to escape. Well, it's and it's also just such a short interaction that they have. And I mean, I think I am 
the grandma, when she first showed up and realized she was there, she said something like, I've missed you so much, but I'm really mad at you for being here because mm-hmm. it's too dangerous. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, grandma, you, she has, you didn't, you should have told her some of this stuff ahead of time. And yeah, but I think she didn't tell her because she was worried about ending up in a situation exactly like this. Yeah. You know, I know. But, um, so we were also afraid about Wolf, who now we know his name is Zeve, uh, right? Kelsey? Alpha Kelsey? Zeve Alpha Kelsey, okay. Wait, can I say one more thing about the grandma real quick? Because yeah. we also found out, um, that she could resist the lunar gift. Mm. Which I feel like is a big thing as well. Which is, She has that implant. Yeah, which is part of why they were still, um keeping her more than just finding out about Princess Celine because obviously they already know Princess Celine is Cinder at this point. But when they realized they couldn't control her, they're tr- they were trying to figure out why and whatnot. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The hierarchy of, like, lunar gifts is really fascinating to me because it seems like the lunar citizens can be controlled, yet they have gifts, so they probably have weak gifts. And then a few with strong gifts are picked out to become these wolf hybrids, and then those with even stronger gifts are selected to become thaumaturges. Well, and it's also, I think they still all have gifts. It's just if you have a stronger gift than someone else, then you can, like, outdo their gift. But I don't think you can yeah. unsee someone. Like, you can't see through someone's glamour with the gift. Only, like, Cinder's thing can do that, right? I think so. But I thought it was because hers, she had a stronger gift than Lavanna, so she was able to see through her glamour. I thought it had something to do with her, like, green light lie detection thing. Oh, so it's because she's cyborg. Or was it because cause she had something – well, I guess, no, that was different. But I would think that um, part of the grandmother's ability to not be controlled would also be not seeing a glamour being thrown, Right. Because that's a big form of control to say, I look like so-and-so. Yes. I, yes. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff that I'm still navigating. Yeah. It's getting confusing. <laughs> and again, I want to know, well, obviously Scarlet wasn't able to resist the gift, but we know that wasn't a genetic thing. That was because of the implant anyways. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. We still don't really know to what extent her being partially lunar means something, right? No, we don't. She hasn't revealed any, like, special hidden talent. Thrown any glamour or anything. Yeah. She, she hasn't thrown any glamour. <laughs> yeah. Is that not the proper verb? I want to throw down some glamour here. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. But anyways, I interrupted you. You were saying something else about something. I forget now. Uh, oh. Um, oh, about, um, should we call him Wolf or should we call him Zeev? I don't know. I still think of him as Wolf, but I can adjust. <laughs> well, people will know either way. So when Wolf... Um, I feel like he still goes by Wolf, though, right? Because that's kind of his new identity. That's like his pack name, though. But I feel like Zeev is his, like, human identity. Yeah, but I also feel like that person is kind of dead. Yeah, maybe Scarlet will bring it out of him, though. Yeah. But it was it was a kind of cool another example of like the the um little red riding hood fairy tale of being deceived by the wolf because when he leads her back to the pack he is pretty convincing about the fact that he wants them to believe that he led Scarlet into a trap and that he deceived her completely and she is absolutely furious because she feels like she was duped by him 
And that is, you know, before he comes to her cell and gives her that chip or the key that allows her to escape. But for a, a minute there, I was really concerned because I thought, oh my gosh, she really did completely deceive you. Well, I think even when he gives her the chip and she's obviously able to use it, I still feel like she's really confused about what their relationship is and where they stand at that point. I think she is too, but, and that's what confused me about how by the end she was like very fiercely protective of him. Like she wouldn't let Cinder and Thorne leave him. She was like, no, 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 he's staying with me. Like it seemed like it was, it happened too fast almost where she went from hating him and then being suspicious and then like wanting to be his alpha female. Yeah. I don't know. It would, that was a little too fast for, for me. But I think it's also that like head versus heart thing. Like yeah. she was, you know, I think she felt like they were really connected, but then the facts were confusing her and she felt really angry. And then when she decided the facts were, um, but I, I was looking at their conversation when they're back on the rampion together and they're both kind of like, I'm sorry, blah, 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 whatever. Why did you save me? Mm-hmm. And he said, I think I realized I would rather die because I betrayed them than live because I betrayed you. Hmm. And I feel like that's where he really kind of summarizes what that whole experience is like for him to bring her in and have to act like he was on their side, but he was doing that so he could have enough information to protect her. And then when he realized, you know, just like when he realized that, that's when he came back. Right. Yeah. And that's when he saved her from Ray. Yeah. And killed his brother. And killed his brother, yeah. Which I know they had like a weird, like obviously they weren't very close at this point, but it's still his brother. They weren't sharing a bed. Yeah. (laughs) They weren't like grandma and Red Riding Hood close, but. (laughs) Yeah, but he's still his brother and I mean, he still chooses Scarlet over his family. Yeah. And it goes back to this reoccurring theme of family isn't really blood. It's the people who are loyal to each other or whatever mm-hmm. yeah that's very true because you <laughs> definitely don't see um cinder's stepmother being like very familiar i mean f- familiar I don't know. familial being familial she edit that out she family-ish <laughs> family-ish we don't see her being very friendly yeah i like because i love that i mean i didn't like it but when she goes back to the prince or the emperor and she tells him about Peony's ID trip, ID chip, <laughs> ID trip. <laughs> and she tells them that they might be able to track Cinder that way. Like, that is a huge betrayal. Yeah. I mean, she does this knowing that Cinder will be captured and executed. Yeah. And she does it. And she does it for, like, a small reward. Like, she just wants some attention, it seems like. Or, like, she wants to be part of the story or, like, whatever. Or she wants to dangle her daughter in front of the emperor. Yeah, but even that, I like, it's just, it's so, I don't know. It's so transparent. Yeah. And I think it made Kai realize, in part two, what Cinder's life was like a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, because he can see through that. And it just was amazing to me, too, that, like, how can you harbor a child like that in your house for so long and have no love for them? Zero love. Yeah. Especially, yeah. It's just... And especially, I mean, the story that she had initially was this girl was in some horrible accident where both of her parents died and she doesn't remember anything. Yeah. It's like, how do you not have any sympathy for that? 
that's what I just absolutely do not understand. Especially as a mother. Like, she's she has – it's not like she doesn't – like, she has two of her own children. Can you – like, I don't know. I feel like there has to be something else. I mean, is, is it just her prejudice against cyborgs? I don't know. Like, she's – it's just – it's amazing to me. It made me th- – actually, I know we're not supposed to talk about Harry Potter, but it reminded <laughs> me of Harry Potter where, like – he lives with his aunt and uncle for so long, and there's zero love. Yeah. Zero. And I'm just like, how is that even possible to have – to take care of someone for that long and develop absolutely no feelings of love? Especially a child who just wants to be loved and, like, yeah. usually is trying to earn that in that, those situations, you know? I mean, like, you know. It's denying them the one thing they want. Yeah. It, yeah. Although, it free, I mean, like, you hear about, like, actual parents with their actual children who are, like... That's true. I mean, like, it it boggles my mind, but... Yeah. Not all humans are have much humanity. That's true. Unfortunately. Just like the tale of Peter Stump. <laughs> Good old Peter Stump. I feel like I'm going to reference him a lot more in my everyday life now, and people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Oh, the werewolf of Bedburg. Have you not heard of him? Let me tell you all the details. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> from there, where can we go from there? Okay, but I'm also kind of glad that they're all together now. So we have Scarlet yeah. Wolf. Like, we're kind of joining forces. We have a plan. I'm still seems a little bit crazy. I forget how Scarlet, I mean, Cinder at the end says, I'm going to fight or I'm going to stop hiding. Um, but she also, you know, she's like, I'm going to let Wolf train me. I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to go find Dr. Earl and he's going to teach me everything. I'm going to go track down the girl who programmed the ship and she's going to tell me all this stuff. Like she has a plan, but it's still see- it's kind of like at the end of Cinder where it's like, oh, just escape the cell and come find me in Africa. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to like learn everything about everything and then go be just better. Go from there. I mean, it's a good, I think it's a good plan, but I'm just, it's just like, oh man, how are they going to do all this? Yeah. And they also have such a tenuous, like, um, partnership at this point because no one trusts Wolf. Like, Scarlet and Cinder are kind of at each other's throats because they're not sure of each other's intentions and they don't know the full story, so they can't react appropriately. Eco's still the ship. Yeah. And, well, like, and Scarlet doesn't necessarily have any reason to want Princess. Like, that's like a complete, that's just like unrelated to her life. Princess Celine well, being, I mean, it it's like almost because her grandma was involved, but in some ways she's just grieving her grandma. Like, why should she get involved in some big revolution with some 16 year old girl she barely knows? I think it's because if she doesn't, her grandma will have died in vain. Yeah. And like her grandmother sacrificed herself essentially for Princess Celine. If she hadn't helped her, she wouldn't have been kidnapped. Yeah. And so I think Scarlet's like, I can't let my grandmother go to her grave without kind of like avenging her. Wait, how old is Thorn? 20, 20, 20. Okay. So this is like a ragtag team of five, 16 to 20 year old people mm-hmm. traveling with a spaceship. <laughs> with a spaceship that's really an android who wishes she was in a different body. While being pursued by um, every powerful person in the world and the moon (laughs) cool i'm just making sure i understand everything um i really liked oh man i wish i could find this part but i love again i really like thorn because i really like the part where 
um, Scarlet and Cinder are kind of, they're yelling at each other because um, Scarlet thinks that Cinder knew that she was Princess Celine the entire time. And she's furious as to why she's been in hiding for so long. And she's just like, why are you not, why are you not doing something? Why are you hiding? And Cinder's trying to just, you know, defend herself. But they're having this screaming match. Yeah. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they're like having this tie ride. And Thorne is like, has his gun focused on Wolf because he doesn't trust him. And... It goes, Scarlet crossed her arms over her chest. It sounds to me, she said, her voice rising to compete with Cinder's, that it will be all your fault. Cinder's tirade ceased and she gaped at Scarlet. Between them, Thorne settled his chin on his palm as if watching a great show, (laughs) though his free hand still held the shotgun aimed at Wolf's head. (laughs) Like, you can just see him like, oh, this is going to be so good. (laughs) Catfight. I want to see how this pans out. (laughs) Oh, man. And I, and I like, and I mean, but I think that's what I like about it. They all have their own reasons for, like, they're not loyal to each other, at least not yet. They maybe are all on the same page, but not necessarily on how to get where they're going. And there's a lot of distrust there, but they also only have each other to rely on. Like, it's a very interesting group. And there's a lot of strong personalities. Mm-hmm. They're all codependent on each other in some way. And they're all clueless in a lot of ways. (laughs) They're all clueless and they're all, like, none of them are perfect. I mean, yeah, especially, like, the thing is that, like, with Cinder and her gift, too, like, she has the potential to be so powerful, but she is really still struggling with learning her gift. And, I mean, the part where they're, they're under attack and she unintentionally throws that woman in front, between herself. Yeah. And the wolf man... I mean, like, she, we see her accidentally kill a woman using her gift, completely unintentionally, but it shakes her Mm -hmm. dramatically. And you already see her starting to worry about all of these people. So even though it is kind of this tenuous thing, like, she wants to help and help protect and whatnot. Mm -hmm. She's just, it's a lot of responsibility. And she also just wants answers. She just wants answers too you know i mean and i totally understand that it's crazy they all do i feel like scarlet and cinder are so similar and so different at the same time and they're both like have a great stubbornness about them yeah so i hope that they can i hope that they can work together well but i respect their stubbornness too because i feel Mm -hmm. like they're it comes from again a good place of like i'm i can't be easily um deterred from Right. And they both have a very good conscience about wanting to do the right thing. Yep. So they could be – all of them could be excellent teammates if they just figure out how to work together and and trust each other. Yeah. But it's also scary. Like, even all this stuff – okay, so maybe um, Wolf won't hurt Scarlet. I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other – like, I kind of – I get why everyone else is hesitant to trust him. Yeah, because when they met him, they thought he was trying to eat Scarlet. Yeah. Because he was. And they thought he was just one of the other... He, <laughs> <laughs> to be to be honest. That was also another tie into the Red Riding Hood fairy, fairy tale cannibalization. Because doesn't... I don't know. Doesn't Ran, like, feed on the grandmother after it kills her? I think he did, yeah. I'm trying to mm-hmm. remember now. And then Wolf was about to do the same thing to Scarlet. Wait, so I guess in some ways... So Thorne I was, is... Yeah, like- Thorne is kind of on <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I called it. <laughs> 
That's funny. We both like had that realization at the same time because I saw it on your face when I was trying to put it into words. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad that we predicted that. So should we make some new predictions or not yet? Should we wait? Because we're, well, yeah, I think we could. I'm usually like never able to guess the twist. You know, like I'm usually always surprised by everything and I'm really bad at predicting things. Like I'm always the person in the movie theater who's like, oh, my God, he was dead the whole time. Like I never get the twist. And so the fact that like I'm predicting stuff in this book is it's impressive to me. (laughs) I feel like it depends. I mean, it depends. But I love to call stuff even if I'm completely wrong. I love to be like, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, so what is, what's going to happen, Katie? Tell well, me. Well, I don't really know. I'm, but, so, okay. I mean, I think they're going to try and approach this whole plan. I guess this one, it's it's weirder when you're at the end of a book because there is some kind of conclusion yeah. um, than halfway through the book. But I think they are going to go to Africa next. Yes. And, find, and I think they'll find Dr. Erlen because... I feel like that needs to happen. Then they're going to go track down the girl who programmed the chip. Oh, right. I forgot about that That girl. That's part of the plan. So we'll see how that goes. Because um, she... Do we know where she is? Uh, we. I think she's on Luna, right? Or something. She's... I mean, she's... She works for um, Sybil. Yeah. Mistress Sybil. Yes. Right? Correct. Okay. I hope we, yeah, I hope we get to learn more about her. But we've only talked to her that one time, or have we talked to her since then? I'm trying to remember. I think just that once, when she, when Cinder found her using over the, um... When she decided to run and go interrupt the ball and set all of this in motion. Mm -hmm. That's another thing to think about. I wonder what would have happened had she not shown up at the ball. (laughs) Do you think Kai would have agreed to marry Lavana? Because only after hearing about Cinder's warning was when he he refused to marry her yeah but at this point he's already agreed to marry her i know so really Gosh, like a ton of people have died and queen lavana knows she's out there so in some ways she probably shouldn't have interrupted the ball and dr erlin should have just done something else Flutted her way to africa <laughs> but at the same time we would not have had these two exciting books to read so oh my gosh i just really don't want kai to marry her i know i don't either do you think that's do you think it's gonna happen I don't know. I keep going back and forth on it. I don't think – I think Cinder's going to intervene somehow, but I don't know if it's going to work, and I don't know what that looks like. I'm also curious because we learn at the end of the book that Lavana is wearing a ring. Yeah, but like a secret ring, a secret ring. Yeah, and she doesn't allow anyone to see it, and she was like, no one knows that she still wears it. So that made me wonder, was she married before? Well, she has a stepdaughter, so yes, right? Well – Right, but, like, it, oh, yeah. But we don't know anything about what happened there. But you're right. Was that real? Was that a real relationship? It must be. If she was considered her stepmother, she, yeah, she must have had a husband. Well, I wonder if, I don't know. I wonder if she, like, hates, I wonder if something happened between, like, with the Earthens, with him, if that was, like, her real love, and then. Maybe that's why she wants to – I don't know. Maybe it's like a revenge yeah. thing or something. That would actually make me like her more, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Mm, we have to We have to figure out what's going on with Lavana. Like, why is she doing what she's doing? There has to be, like, a motive for it. Why she became a psycho witch? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no one is – I don't think she'd be doing what she's doing unless she had a very good – not, like, a good reason, but 
she has a motivation, I think. And I think there's more to her story. So I hope we figure out what that is. Well, and I mean, I think in a lot of things, the bad guy, you don't necessarily have to think that justifies all they do. But a lot of times, like the villain is motivated by something you can kind of understand, whether it's misplaced Mm -hmm. loyalty or whatever. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would like to have a little bit more sympathy for her because right now there is none. Well, it also would help us understand her better from a like, you know, you need to understand your enemy to defeat them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. No, that's true. But but yeah, I don't think, I think Kai is going to, this band of, what what can we call them? I want to like give them a name, like the friendship fighters or the like team (laughs) Ramp, the Rampian Ragers. No, I don't know. I want to, like, do some alliteration here. <laughs> a ranger. The, yeah, I don't know. The Rampian Rangers? Yeah, I kind of like it. That's their new name um, for now. Princess Celine for president? <laughs> I'm down. Uh, and we can make, they can make t-shirts then. Well, we already have our Team Thorn versus Team Kai t-shirts. We're going to have a, we're going to need a whole wardrobe for this um, <laughs> podcast thing we're doing. <laughs> My mom's a really good sewer, so maybe she can help us out. Okay, great. I have a sewing machine, but I don't really know how to use it. I have this bad habit. Oh, the Rampian Rangers. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it, too. What's your bad habit? Um, oh, it's just related to my sewing machine. I, like, decide I really like these ideas, so I get things to become really good at new skills, and then I don't actually have the skill ever. To make anything? Yeah. Yeah, I went through a phase where I tried to make clothes too, and it didn't. I'm gonna stick to pillows. <laughs> I make I make blankets occasionally. That's the extent of it. And curtains. I haven't. My mom can make like pants. She made the dress I wore actually to get married in. That's awesome, and it was beautiful. Yeah. So good job to her. I wore it backwards that day, though. Did I tell you that? Wait, what? No. Yeah. I I have a really bad habit of putting my clothes on backwards or like inside out. Wait, so on your wedding day, you wore it backwards? <laughs> I mean, not my, <laughs> not my, obviously not my Pittsburgh wedding, but in my Chicago wedding, when we just went to the courthouse, oh, okay. my mom made my dress, and like, after the wedding, after the pictures, after everything, she looked at me and she was like, are you wearing my dress on backwards? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And she was like, well, I sewed a bow into the neckline so you would know to put it, the bow goes in the back. And I looked and the bow was right in the front. <laughs> so, Wait, I love that story. I had not heard that one before. Yeah, I wore my wedding dress backwards. Um, I'm going to be honest. That seems like something Sunder would do to me. Oh, thank you. That's a nice thing to say. <laughs> I didn't have grease stains on it, though. I will say, I, you know. No, I mean, I'm not saying, I just feel like, when she gets married, she's going to be all nervous and, like, do something like that. Okay, yeah. To either Thorn or Kai or maybe some new guy in book three. I don't know. Still holding off for Kai. Or maybe she'll die before a wedding. I don't know. No! Take that back. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Um, where are we? Um, I think we should probably wrap up soon. Should we tell people about next week? Yeah, we... <laughs> We'll be back. <laughs> Let's talk about Cre- so the next book is Cress, which looks like it's based on Rapunzel because this girl's got some really long hair on the front of this cover. I think I read that somewhere as well. Oh, you know what? I bet this is the girl from the ID chip or the Ooh. the con because remember they said that she had like a massive hair. Yep. I bet that's her. Okay, so hopefully she'll join our um, 
ranger, right. ra- Rampion rangers. Rampion rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe though, if they give her a t-shirt. Um, okay, so for Cress, we're going to read up to chapter 30. Which is also book three, or? Oh, up through chapter 30, and then stop when you get to book three. Okay. Oh, jeez. How many pages is that? 274. Just curious. The just as a little like teaser for book three, the um little vignette is the cat has caught the bird and she will scratch out your eyes as well. You will never see your Rapunzel again. Ooh. Mm. I forgot about okay, we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to research Rapunzel again too. Oh I can't wait. That's honestly been my favorite part doing research. I know. Well you also find all the horrific details. I feel like I I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this story and then I I know. I need to I need to stop doing that because I was I was just like listening to the last episode and I was like so gleefully sharing the story of poor Peter Stump and then I felt really terrible. No, I like it. I mean, um, it's good. It makes me the good one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sucker for disturbing details. Um, and I and I listen to too much to true crime stories. So I do like that kind of stuff. Um, okay, so. <laughs> I'm trying to peel back the library sticker on this book so I can read the back of it. Here you go. <clears throat> okay, it says, Even in the future, damsels in distress. Something, something. <laughs> I'm defacing a library book right now. Oh, okay, it says, Even in the future, there are damsels in distress. I'm just going to stick that back on. Okay. <clears throat> Cress, having risked everything to warn Cinder of Queen Lavana's evil plan has a slight problem. She's been imprisoned on a satellite since childhood and has only ever had her net screens as company. Talk about social development issues. I know. But instead of being imprisoned in a tower, I like that she's on a satellite. Um, all that screen time has made Cress an excellent hacker. Unfortunately, she just received orders from Lavana to track down Cinder and her handsome accomplice. When a daring rescue of Cress involving Cinder... Captain Thorne, Scarlet, and Wolf, the Rampion Rangers, goes awry. <laughs> the, the group is separated. Chris, Chris, Chris finally has her freedom, but it will come at a high price. Meanwhile, Queen Lavana will let nothing prevent her marriage to Emperor Kai. Chris, Scarlet, and Cinder may not have signed up to save the world, but they may be the only hope the world has. I'm excited. Oh, I really am excited yeah. to read this. And I like the, um, okay, so this is Rapunzel, and I'm already starting to think about that a little bit. Can I make new predictions? Just kidding. Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting. So it almost, well, I don't know if they'll go rescue her first or whatever they just said, or go find Dr. Erlen first. I don't know. We'll have to see. So can't wait. Okay. I'm going to wrap up so I can go read. I'm just kidding. <laughs> first, you have to tell me a joke. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a joke I heard at work this week. Okay. <clears throat> okay. What is the last thing that goes through a fly's mind when it hits a windshield? Um, I don't know. It's asshole. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> oh my god, that's so gross. <laughs> I know. And I, it's just so funny because I kept thinking, like, what would a fly say or think? And then they told me that. And I was just like, are you serious? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's so new. And it really puts a good picture in your head. So now every time I get flies on my... Um, windshield i'm gonna think Ew, of that joke i'm gonna be thinking of it being a fly's asshole <laughs> on my windshield well i apologize but enjoy the joke <laughs> i know i did like that maybe i'll text that to my cousin's fiance <laughs> or, or have him listen to our podcast 
Oh, that's true. We could just do that. He's probably going to stop listening as soon as we mention the word joke. <laughs> He'll be like, that's my time to hit stop. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we're going to start doing some research and start reading. Okay, I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. <laughs> Bye. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.